Welcome everybody to All About Symbian. Yes, Symbian Insight podcast number 240. Recording this on Tuesday, the 20th of August, 2013. I can't believe it's been a month since our last podcast, Rafe. Yes, time seems to fly by, but actually we've got a fair few little bits of news to get through, but I think it's probably fair to say there's a changing flavour to it. it. It tends to be smaller software updates as well as some interesting applications coming along. Of course, we haven't got so much hardware to talk about uh, these days. However, I guess in the back end of the podcast, we could talk a little bit about some comparisons between the 808 PureView and the 1020 PureView, which, in a sense, take a very similar approach, you know, trying to build the ultimate camera into a smartphone. And I think particularly our Symbian listeners will be keen to hear you know, how it measures up because, you know, if you're looking for the best camera phone, there is an obvious choice to be made there. And I think there's a lot of people listening to this who are on the Nokia N8 or on the 808 and wondering, you know, is it time to move over to Windows Phone or is that a factor I should consider in the future? So we'll have something for you in the back half of the podcast. <laughs> That's the, the meatiest teaser I've heard for a while, but yes, it will get that, I promise. Let's rattle through these news items, Ray. Most of them are quite short. Um People know about the Google Reader saga and the way it's kind of revived, in a way, the RSS news reading a genre of software and services. Um, now that Google don't do it, all other people have popped up all over the place. Um, the old reader is one. They had a moment of doubt. There's a new Symbian client called Thor. Everything about the acronym, the old reader Thor. <laughs> There's also News Blur Cute by the same developer. It looks very, very similar. Game based around a service called News Blur, which I believe is commercial these days. But both at game stepping in to aggregate news stories from around the web and then provide them via various APIs to clients on all mobile platforms. Uh, I, I, you may not have tried these, Rafe, but you can see the screenshots. It's a pretty simple idea. You have uh, all unread articles. You dive down into um, the individual feeds if you want, or you look at the overall stream of news. You, see, you dive into stories you want. You then click a, a link then open them up in a web browser if you want the full page. So nothing really outstanding. You can mark stories as read, as unread. You can share them on Facebook, Twitter, and to Pocket. Um, other than that, it's bare-bones readers, but the developer does seem active, and hopefully the, both these two clients will continue to develop. That's right, and I think we just have to say sort of congratulations to the developer for getting these out. After all, we've talked in the last few podcasts about how we thought there may be a problem with web services, and I thought... Actually, this transition from Google Reader to you know, other services uh, would actually be a good example of this. But with these two particular applications, there's two services which are you know, very realistic alternatives to uh, Google Reader. Uh, I don't actually know which one you're using yourself. I guess the old reader, are you, Steve? I was trying that, and then because the old reader people themselves said they'd run out of money and they weren't going to do it anymore, I switched over to Feedly, which happily ties in with another application I think we might have mentioned in the previous podcast, G Newsreader, which is possibly the slickest um, newsreading application for Symbian, and that has now transitioned to use Feedly as its back end. And I'm particularly impressed by Feedly on the web as well. So I guess all of these are alternatives. You, you basically tr um, buy them all. They're only a quid each. That really isn't the end of the world. You can, you can download all of them, buy them all, try them all out, and stick with the one you like. So there really is no shortage of choice these days. That's right. I mean, I'm also using Feedly myself, and I was checking out G Newsreader for that exact reason uh, just the other day. But these uh, Thor and Newsblur um, QD, they're great apps in that they get the job done. And I think for people using 
uh, can that RSS consumption experience on the phone, they're going to be pleased to see that it fits everything into a relatively smallest amount of screens, you know, using the screen set very effectively. You might need glasses in some cases or a bit of a magnifying glass if you've got eyesight like Steve, um, but I don't think that's really <laughs> a real cause for complaint. What um, I, I, I'm just, not that I'm saying that Steve's uh, eyesight is going because he's getting on or anything like that, um, but you do seem to complain about that from time to time, Steve. Yes, yes. Well, I do like a certain standard of font at my advanced age, admittedly. Uh, uh, Reader is another one that popped up uh, on, our, on our flow system, the right-hand side of allaboutsummin.com. This hasn't got a client as yet. It's, it's uh, another news aggregator, but that's particularly well done. I presume it's HTML5 and JavaScript. Uh, web, mobile web interface. So basically, again, you sign up with innoreader.com. Have a look at the news story for the links and the screenshots, and then you basically use it in web or Opera Mobile or whatever your chosen web browser is, and it's really rather slick and avoids the need to even get a client in the first place. So I guess I guess being a a, a dynamic or website creator yourself, you'd approve of this approach, Ray. Uh, I absolutely do. I mean, I always say that uh, for some of these platforms like Symbian, that you know it's more difficult to justify doing an app for. I think you can accept that make sure that the mobile web version uh, works really well. And we've had a bit of a mixed record in the Symbian world talking about some of the really big web services. So it's good to see that this one uh, works perfectly. And as you say, it's actually a, a pretty effective implementation. Uh, and I think particularly for an application like, you know, uh, RSS reading, it doesn't matter that it's entirely online. There's not an offline functionality because most of the time you're probably going to be wanting to follow a link and get some extra information, read the full story. And uh, in a read, the performance is also pretty good. I mean, that's partly thanks to the upgrades that the Symbian browser got in its later years. Uh, but also, they haven't tried to kind of make their mobile version too heavy. And for all of these kind of online services, having a, a mobile-first philosophy when you're coming to doing the website, or at least a mobile-optimized version, is very much a necessity because not everyone's going to want to use an app. Um, I think a lot of the time you can get a you know, a better experience out of the app. And you know, maybe feed reading is one of the exceptions where there's not a lot of difference. Um, but uh, yeah, no, great to see uh, this one you know, being a particularly good implementation. But uh, I've actually found myself, um, when I'm carrying around a, a Symbian device, I do tend to use the mobile browser versions more. And it's, I guess it's partly because either the apps don't exist or you know, I've got used to using the, the mobile web version because it's very painless. You know, there's no app to install. You can just remember the address and quite often it will be bringing across, you know, your account and your content very easily. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, moving on slightly, um, now I'm looking at two devices. This is my rah-rah Symbian moment, Ray. <laughs> I've got in front of me the Lumia 95, the your sexiest ultra favorite Windows phone device, and it's showing me the time when it's always on a mullet screen. And it's very nice, nice big font. Show me the time is 1642. I'm now looking across at my Nokia E7 from 2010, running Symbian on its always-on AMOLED screen. I have the time. I have the date. I have the full date in full. I have the profile name. I have a custom message. I have the Wi-Fi status, the battery status. I have my current location, the weather forecast, and I have my last two emails coming, all of which are permanently displayed thanks to an application called KuSaver, which I can't recommend enough. Uh, there's a whole system of um, coup, coup mail and coup weather. You have to have all three installed. But once they're installed, all of this information jumps out to your standby screen, your lock screen. And a lot of it comes out as widgets on your home screen as well. Um, I, you've seen the photographs in the, in the story, Rafe. I, mean, I, I guess some of this will come out to other platforms. But I, it's great to see that the, uh, the, the coup apps people 
really blazing a trail here. It is. And actually, this kind of idea of always on screens, which has been around for a long, long time. I mean, we, I think when we last talked about this, we mentioned that it's on the S60 screensaver on kind of the original. I think it might have been the S60 second edition devices. I'm not quite sure how far it goes back. And that was just a, a strip of the LCD screen left on. But with the AMOLED devices, it advanced considerably. And we had sleeping screen and then various other implementations. But in terms of information, load and you might even say overload it's uh, it's hard to beat uh, crusader i mean it's an interesting one for me the most important information remains the, the time but i would certainly like some of the stuff that crusader is doing on the the lumia 95 which is at the moment my uh, my main device um it's interesting i guess the only thing you could say in defense of the 95 is it has a bit more intelligence in when it will turn things on and off and you can for example turn it onto a time mode and there's also a peak mode so you just wave your hand over the kind of proximity sensor and it, it will switch on this mode which is a, a neat touch but i don't think there's any doubt for um those who want extra information you want this ultimate glance screen experience symbian is the way to go and i didn't think i'd be saying that about uh, uh, mm-hmm. a smartphone and given that this is a, a topic that's you know come up a lot now i think it's also because android recently introduced you know this idea and motorola made quite a big play of it when they you know, were announcing the moto x with this kind of it's been given various names uh, I, I i still rather like the sleeping screen uh, name um, I'm not so keen on the sort of the glance name and some of the others that active lock screen that have been used. Um, sleeping screen for me is, is the most descriptive, uh, which I probably harks back to my uh, <laughs> fondness for this uh, technology. When I was first using it, really was on the N8 more than anything else, uh, and uh, it's great that it's making a comeback actually. But you're right, um, Crusoe, you do as you said, you do have to install everything. So um, I guess the total is going to be three or four quid by the time all the applications to get this working um, and I did particularly like the message that Steve leaves on his phone which is actually <laughs> Steve Z7 hands off um, and I, I think that's uh, probably a good message to leave but if someone's got close enough to read that message I suspect it might be a bit on the late side. Ah oh, there's not much crime around these parts. Uh, I would recommend these, these apps though as Ray says they'll cost you a few quid but uh, bear in mind the devices and uh, the, the applications aren't perfect yet there are a few minor glitches but it's great seeing an active developer pushing out updates every couple of weeks at this stage in Symbian's existence. And, and every single time I think that's it, there are no, no real heavyweight app developers in the Symbian world. It's all dying a death and I get all depressed. And then along comes something like this, or, or indeed the developer of Thor and Newsblurcute. And all of a sudden, we have new updates and new applications to talk about. So I guess the site's not going away anytime soon. That's right. And of course, there's a, a great archive of information, but it's interesting. I mean, talking about how this happens, I'm pretty sure that this is, you know, a developer almost scratching their own. They've got a device and they want to update it and use, use it themselves. Uh, but that's great because there are so many uh, devices out there. There's going to be a, a significant install base for a while and quite a few of those will be developers well not quite a few i should say a portion of them will be and therefore you might you know continue to see uh, app updates and it's actually kind of encouraging to see that it's some of these really useful apps that are are continuing to be uh, updated and we're actually seeing that you know in a couple of other apps as well aren't we steve well i wanted to mention very briefly because i don't actually use it anymore but whatsapp which is tremendously popular across the mobile world of course and i i kind of fallen out of favor with me partly because i switch sims between devices so often and that really confuses whatsapp but also because they have a a tactic of updating their application almost on a weekly basis just to keep themselves top presumably top in the various app stores 
because that they, those are usually sorted by the most recently updated applications. So almost every single week there's a new minor version, and it kind of gets wearing having to cover all this. So I, I just mention it every once in a while. In this case, though, this is version 2.11.20. It is notable because there is a new feature, or at least a, a thing that's been moved around previously known as something audio notes, which were under the attachments menu for sending a message. They've now been promoted to the main screen. Basically, it's a called a voice messaging, which I guess is just a fancy way of saying the old audio notes, but it's uh, more and more prominent. And of course, this is consistent across WhatsApp on other platforms. So voice messaging for Symbian under WhatsApp. So uh, yeah, what's not to like, Ray? Well, that's that's good news. And having talked about it being small developers, that's obviously quite a big developer. I mean, part of the big deal here is they've kind of made it much easier to use and they're also putting some status information so you can tell when you've sent a message when the recipient has actually listened to it and obviously uh, vice versa as well uh, and obviously that's quite handy because audio messages by their nature probably less likely to to get i mean maybe less likely to get listened to um but also putting this function on the front screen it kind of makes it more likely to to get used and you know it's push to talk which was a kind of a big thing in mobile a few years ago and has since gone away i mean that was particularly with nextel in the states um, but sometimes it is easier to record an audio message. You can get the information in, you know, maybe if you're driving along. Not that we're encouraging you to use this kind of app when you're <laughs> driving in the car, but I know that uh, some people distracted or whatever. So it's uh, pretty effective. And as you say, they've actually updated all their other smartphone apps as well. I was quite impressed by that particular kind of achievement. They decided to roll it out for uh, iOS, for Android, for Windows Phone, for BlackBerry, for Symbian, all at the same time, and they all got the update on the same day. So, you know, it was nice to see every platform being treated equally. Indeed, indeed. And from a very big developer to a tiny, tiny developer who's doing it in his part-time, um, Thoughtproc, which is, remains a terrible, terrible app name, and the developer's desperately trying to think of an alternative. I guess it's short for photo processing. It's released for the mainly the Nokia 808, but you can run it on devices like the N8 and the older generations. Essentially, it's advanced Photoshop processing of your captured photos um, actually on the phone itself. Now, normally on a phone itself, right, you, you expect to be able to change maybe the saturation, the brightness, contrast, maybe a bit of sharpening. This goes right down into denoising, reduced noise, reduced dark colors, um, sharpening, reduced uh, no, lab saturation, lab shadows, lab midtones, lab highlights. And there's, a, there's something like 20 different filters you can apply, each of which has got a slider that goes from about 0 to 20. So there's a massive amount you can do. Um, because all this processing takes time, the, the developers actually put in a batch queue so that you can take a photo and try four or five filters out and kick them off as batch renders and put the phone back in your pocket and they, the, the progress bars chatter away. And then after five minutes, you pull it out or 10 minutes and they're all rendered and you can see the results, which is all rather clever. So uh, highly recommended for people who like fiddling. <laughs> it isn't instant, and it, it, is, it is extremely geeky, but I can't think of any other platform which can do this degree of photo processing actually on the phone. I think there are some apps available from iOS and Android that kind of go into this level of detail, but um, a pretty amazing technical achievement, in all honesty. As you were sort of hinting at there, the consumer experience isn't really great, um, and I'm afraid I'm the sort of person that goes... I want to do minimal processing on the phone and sometimes that would be a quick adjustment for yeah. saturation or maybe you know you can do the one step improvement that a couple of the photo editors have um, but nonetheless I can admire this just from the point of view as uh, I guess it's a, a labour of love and if you want to adjust absolutely everything it, it's kind of the app for you 
Um, I suspect the you know the real pros are still going to go. No, I want to get this onto a, a PC and do my adjustments there. But it's pretty impressive the level that you can do on a, on a smartphone. Um, and actually, the time it's taking does rather indicate the kind of intensive nature of the processing that's going on. And of course, it's I guess where the Symbian devices get uh, let down. But there's just not that much in the way of resources available compared to some of the dual or the quad core devices that it's going to be uh, competing against. Um, but it's, it's interesting on this story. Um, I was wondering whether there'd be any comments, but there are actually quite obviously quite a few people using this and have been impressed by it. Um, and so I was just kind of impressed to see the dedication that goes into an application like this. Yeah, the developer absolutely coded it for his own use and it is freeware. Um, so that, that's good as well. The, the, the big thing about this particular release, and you can read about this story in the, uh, the, the, the links in the show notes, is the fact that he's tweaked the interface to be a lot more friendly. Now, you may look at the screenshots and think, that still doesn't look very friendly. And compared <laughs> to some of the commercial apps, maybe it isn't. But uh, hey, it was more geeky in the first place. But uh, well done to the developer. Well done for, well done for carrying on. And uh, I continue to have it loaded on my 808. And every now and then, if I want to do a particular... Um, effect and I, i'm not near a desktop then yes it's a jolly good way of not only doing the effect but also outputting a different size one of the um tricks it does it does sort of oversampling and resampling and resizing actually as one of the uh the output filters that's really handy as well so uh, yeah recommended for anyone to play with and say it is completely free also completely free and it wasn't before <laughs> files plus which is a symbian cloud storage manager uh, it's now gone free and also added box.com stroke box.net compatibility. So basically you can, it's a bit like Windows Phone Rafe in that you can, you can merge and think of the, the local storage on your Symbian drives and your cloud drives, things like Google Drive and box.net and Dropbox. And you can copy between them and you can mix and match and do some quite clever stuff. And the interface is very, very slick in that you can use the menus or you can just tap and hold and then use the context-sensitive context pop-up. So a really slick piece of software works with about four or five different cloud storage services and completely free. Again, what's not to like? Yeah, I mean, in terms of an application, it's actually really very impressive what it can do, particularly if you do use kind of multiple cloud services. I don't know how many people that would apply to. I mean, I know I've got a, an account with a couple, but SkyDrive these days tends to be the one I use uh, primarily. But if you're, you know, copying things, you know, between Dropbox and uh, SkyDrive or Box or something like that, it's kind of essential. And actually, there are only a couple of applications I can think of on uh, other platforms that allow you that level of flexibility. And it's because, as you say, it basically treats it as another drive on your Symbian device. And I'm assuming there's some kind of clever caching going on on the local drive somewhere in order to enable this to happen. Um, but as far as the user's concerned, as you said, you have something on one drive and you can copy it across to another one. Uh, and you said it's sort of uh, Windows Phone, like I was actually said it's better than Windows Phone, the, the way it's done here, because Windows Phone does, you're quite right, integrate SkyDrive and kind of treats it similarly to the local storage, but you don't get this multi-service um, support. And also, you know, it's been well implemented. I mean, there are a couple of touches, like the, the custom toolbar that's actually got the uh, five icons on it and it just i mean it's based on this um you know the qt widgets or the cute widgets that will be familiar to most symbian users by now uh, but i just thought actually it's been well done and you know there's little touches like you know the long press and then getting up a, 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 a bunch of pop-up buttons that just makes it easy to use and then you know you drop into a folder 
photos and you get a kind of a nice thumbnail effect um and it's all pretty quick on the performance side as well i mean you do need a, a fairly decent uh data connection be that wi-fi or 3g to get the most out of it but really quite impressive um and again it's you know we've said in the past oh there might be a problem getting support for various uh cloud services well yes of course if the api changes that might be true in the future but right now files plus provides a really easy way to use things like Dropbox, SkyDrive, Google Drive, you know, an FTP drive, um, and Box, you know, from a, a single application. So yeah, th- big thumbs up from me. Yeah, it's not in a, it's not as well integrated as SkyDrive and Windows Phone in the sense that you can't use this. No, that's true. From within different applications, but as a standalone application, that's multi-service. I think it is pretty special. So yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, it's it kind of goes back to. Symbian used to, well, I mean, it still does have the support for kind of remote drives, uh, but it never really took off quite as effectively as it might have done. Um, It it was a really nice idea, and this was, you know, within the settings, you could set up a a web dev drive and have it kind of appear just like the C, and it would then appear to all applications. Um, This application obviously doesn't do that. It's, as you say, in a single application, but in terms of the convenience of being able to move between things, it did kind of remind me of that approach. And you're right. I mean, it's not at the system level, but that's not going to be possible for an individual developer. And so this is kind of the next best thing. And you know, it is the way that, um, I guess, having integration with the system is the way that all the cloud uh, services are moving. If you look at what's happening with SkyDrive in Windows 8.1, for example, you know, you're seeing how that's becoming treated just like a local folder and will be a default save location. Anyone who's used the most recent version of Office would have seen a similar thing. And equally, we're getting that on other platforms as well. Um, Apple maybe hasn't done quite such deep integration with, you know, with iCloud. I guess iCloud is used for slightly different things, but it's clear if you look at Google and what they're doing with, you know, Chrome OS, they're doing the same thing with uh, Google Drive. Yeah, it'd be nice to have it on Symbian, but actually Symbian was one of the very first platforms to think about having that integration deeply built into the system uh, from the off. It just was never fully exploited. So I guess a good example of how Symbian was uh, ahead of its time. Or many, <laughs> one of many examples. <laughs> indeed. Of was indeed ahead of its time. I'm uh, just mentioning that going free, of course, that, uh, that one of the reasons why I like that is not because it saves me a pound. I, I'm more, more than happy enough to pay a pound to a developer for an application I like and to help support them is the fact that once something's gone free, it means that whatever happens to the Nokia store, wherever the ecosystem goes from here on upwards, you can download it from, from the Nokia store as an SIS file. You can archive it on your own hard disk and you know that forever and a day, you can, you can install it. Definitely, you can install it on any phone you choose to. And so that, that very fact of going free means that the, the binary gets released into the wild and that, that's a big step for me, I think. It, it is a big step and it does make me wonder whether we should start collating some of these freeware titles and providing sys downloads oh, I, I think I th- <laughs> there we go so steve's already done it i think the nokia store will be around for a, a while yet but they're certainly going to be a hardcore user i suspect steve is drawing on his experience of the cyan world there where um you know some of the software developers did sort of disappear through no fault of their own sometimes uh, and so having that continuous uh, maintenance and it's actually one of the problems with app stores you know this isn't just a Symbian uh, problem. You get this on all the all the platforms. If a developer has you know, released a, a pay-for application, it'll generally stay there for a while. But if their kind of membership of the developer program in question expires, sometimes their app will drop out of the App Store. Now, the policies are, are slightly different between all the different ones. Um, 
talking about the Windows Phone world, for example, if you don't renew your annual registration fee, your apps, regardless of whether they're free or not, will disappear from the store. And even if you kind of kept a copy of the Zap file, that won't necessarily work. And so it's an issue that I believe something similar happens um, with iTunes. There seem to be less examples of that, at least from high-profile applications. Um, but it's probably because I'm not quite so familiar with the app scene there. On the Google's, Google Play Store, I believe they do tend to stick around a bit more, and that's partly because of the uh, registration kind of requirements, the fees you have to pay uh, are, are less. But I'm sure you're going to get a similar problem there with you know support for an application or you know, when a developer goes away, particularly a paid version, or it's, you know, reliant on some kind of uh, server-side component. Um, but it, it kind of puts me in mind about the vulnerability of app stores and apps compared to you know, being able to sideload devices. And the reason that I, I mentioned this is I was actually having a conversation with someone and saying, well, you know, what's the biggest change in apps? And I said, actually, for me, the biggest change is the way the distribution will go through the app store. It's wonderfully convenient, no doubt about that. Uh, but you know, in the early Symbian days, I'm sure you remember well remember this, Steve. You know, you'd buy uh, applications from different sources, and there were the aggregators like Handango, um, but they weren't that convenient to use, and you were still sideloading them. So very often, you'd go and buy direct from the developer website, particularly in the knowledge that they actually got more money that way. Um, and that was that was great, but it was a bit inconvenient, and you know, apps would never have taken off if it remained that situation. But they did have the advantage, in, in some senses, you know, you could guarantee that you'd get the install file and it would keep on working, at least for the device you'd bought it for. Um, and these days, you know, maybe the content's a bit more ephemeral. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, every time the Nokia store has a, a, a bad day and things just don't work, I, I, I look at my handily um, set of hierarchical folders on my hard disk with all the applications, all the SIS files, all the downloads, some of which are stuff I've bought, some of which are freeware, but they're all archived. So that if anything happens in the future, I've got some recourse. And of course, as things do go freeware, we'll quite often put up SIS file links in the news story in addition to the Nokia store link just to give people an extra way of archiving it themselves. But don't worry, as I say, if things do go pear-shaped in the future, um, never fear, the Symbian archivist, the Cyan archivist is here, <laughs> ready and waiting. Um, we teased at the beginning, Ray, we're talking about um, the Nokia 808 versus the Lumia 1020. And, and a lot of people have been asking, not just because of those two devices, but also they, for example, own an N8. And we've been talking about devices like the Lumia 925, also with an excellent camera, maybe not quite at the same level, but an excellent camera. And now just in the last day or so, my own Lumia 920, which is kind of an elderly it was a flagship device. <laughs> Elderly. It came out in October last year. It's not even a year old, Steve. Well, and you're talking about using the N8. And what does that make the N8? Sort of uh, uh, zombified pension. Time, remember? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. so the, for the question being asked, and I was asked today in the comments on our sites, was, is, for example, should I go from the N8 to the 925 or the 920, which has got its brand new software update today? Is that a good move? So this this, this whole shift people are now starting to ask three or so years after windows phone starts and people were thinking well have nokia made a right right mistake here is windows phone ready and the short answer in the early days was absolutely not symbian was far more fully featured we're just getting to the tipping point now Rafe. i would argue whereby i mean we decided to go with uh, nokia to to cover windows phone as an os because secretly we like Symbian, but we also love Nokia's hardware. We love their gadgetry. We love their cameras and their multimedia prowess. And we wanted to at least follow some of that. So we went with Nokia to Windows Phone. But, but in the early days, the Lumia 800, the 710, they, they really weren't matches, I would argue, for, 
the, the flagship Symbian device at the time, the Nokia 808 ruled over most of the next generation of Windows Phone, I would ask from, argue from my own point of view. But with this Lumia 1020, we've got loads of um, cross-comparison stories on both sides now. With a camera that's almost as good, I would say, in terms of performance as 808, not as good, but almost as good, and better for video, and, but with a more flexible interface, and you can do more with the images, and with a more future-proof OS, I think, and this is my main contention, which you'll feel free to refute or agree with, that we're now reaching a tipping point. And this, this summer, and going into September 2013, is when quite a few Symbian users will think, OK, I'm now going to take a serious look. We've got a serious contender over on Windows Phone. I can move across, and I won't start losing functionality. I won't start losing camera performance. I won't miss Symbian and Nokia devices there all that much. Oh, that's quite controversial. <laughs> I, I think you're right in, in one sense, but on the other hand, actually, I think this tipping point has been going on for the last year. I would say ever since the arrival of Windows Phone 8, and even to an extent before that. And it depends, you know, what features are important to you. You know, what's the most critical thing when you're uh, moving across? You know, because for some people, you know, the smartphone is about having, you know, something new to play with and to being on the cutting edge. And I'd expect some of those users to already have moved over or to have gone to Android or to iPhone or you know, even BlackBerry 10, possibly. Um, in many ways, the Android and the BlackBerry system are, are most similar to Symbian in their approach, a kind of ability to play at quite a low level with settings, do a lot of customization. I mean, Android, I think, takes it further than Symbian ever did. Um, and obviously, Android's become the big platform, you know, 80% plus market share. But I do get what you're driving at here in that I think it was only with the Lumia 925 and the 1020 that you could make a very strong argument that they provided a better overall camera experience than kind of the, the N8 and the 808. Now, uh, you know, you sort of said there that the 808 may still be better if you're just a camera purist. I think that itself is going to spark plenty of debate. But yes, I think that's that's true, particularly because... Uh, the more recent trend has been for more processed images and so a bit more saturation a bit of extra you know, sharpening and edge enhancement um i think on the whole that's what people want but i know there are some people who prefer the more neutral look of the uh, n8 and the 808 i've actually come to the point where i think i probably prefer seeing a bit of extra processing um not to say i wouldn't like to see an option to kind of go back and you know it'd be great to see that come into a camera setting and i you know i know the uh, Nokia imaging teams read all the comments on all about Symbian and all about Windows Phone and take that feedback on board. But of course, you know, they have to design for what the, the majority want. And actually, that's what really the whole argument of over, you know, when should you switch over comes down to. Um, if you're a, you know, a specialist user and there's a particular app you're using or you're really used to Symbian, it's going to be really hard to switch whatever you end up doing, you know, whether you go to Windows Phone, you Android or iPhone, because there will be a lack of familiarity you know none of them work in the same way that Symbian does they all put the emphasis on different things and i'd say all of them it becomes more of a a smart device and less of a less of a phone i've said that before um but on the other hand i actually think if you're someone who's you know you've had a Symbian device for quite a while now and you've done it because you like the Nokia hardware, but you haven't had a particular motivation to switch because it's been good enough, and you've looked at the Windows Phone hardware and get, yeah, no, it's not quite measured up. I, I'm really sympathetic with that point of view. And now I'd say if you like the Nokia stuff, 
now is the time to think about switching and there will be some more devices to come later this year um so you, you may want to wait a bit more for example there's going to probably be some bigger screen devices something we never had in the symbian world um but the 925 in particular i think makes a, a great upgrade if you're on the 808 you're probably going to be looking at the the 1020 um i've myself actually switched over really fully when as a primary device when the the 920 came out i sort of had with the 800 900, but at that point i was very much 50 50 i was still maintaining both devices and both using them actively and now um symbian devices kind of a couple of times a week or if i'm doing something specific or checking out something for the site um, and i suspect without the site i would probably have less motivation to do so um, so i'm kind of a, a special case but to hear you say that is interesting, Steve, because I think everyone will know, listening to this podcast, I've been more positive on Windows Phone and the general move over. But it's really interesting to hear you say that. So I mean, do you think you've now reached the point where you would consider switching over to Windows Phone as kind of a, a, a primary device? And if not, are there other you know options that people should look at? I would certainly consider it. With the, the fact that I've got the 925 and the 920 um, in front of me, the Lumias, with this GDR2 update, and not wishing to get too technical on the All About Symbian podcast, but basically it's an under-the-hood upgrade that enables all sorts of things, including automatic podcast gathering for the first time that works reliably. Um, I would certainly give it serious consideration when the 1020 arrives, I, in other words, getting Xenon Flash back, getting the pure view zoom back, getting the oversampling back, as well as the Windows phone and all this um, under-the-hood goodness. That's the point where I'm going to try it absolutely for real and, you know, eat my own dog food, as it were, and, and eat my own opinions. <laughs> that, that sounds wrong. <laughs> and put my SIM card in it and absolutely go for it. I mean, I've got two SIM cards on the go most of the time um, through the last few years, and my secondary SIM is in the Lumia 920, and I'll be using that for the next couple of weeks and trying to use it for as much as possible and seeing how I get on. My primary is still in the Nokia 808 most of the time. Um, I guess that with, reflects the fact you're, you know, you've been a camera-centric user yeah i mean absolutely. i i can hear a certain amount of screaming going on in the background as this heresy of you know switching away from symbian gets discussed but i, I think realistically it's something that you know does need to be um addressed it doesn't mean we're not going to continue to talk about symbian and post about interesting apps i mean i think even if you switch over the 808 will still very much be a, a secondary device for you uh steve would you, would you say that's fair uh, yes, quite possibly. And I've certainly got an, a history and an interest in Symbian that will carry on going for months, if not years to come. But there, overall, the last few years, there, there's been this list of showstoppers in my head of reasons why I can't move to Android, reasons why I can't move to iPhone, heaven forbid, reasons why I can't move to Windows Phone. And certainly from the Windows Phone perspective, that list of showstoppers has been going down, down, down. And apart from maybe an FM transmitter addiction on my part, apart from that, and you can buy a plug on for, plug in for that, um, all the showstoppers, absolutely every single one is gone. The, the glance screen, the always-on clock, that's now there on Windows Phone. The, the Xenon flash and the PureView camera is there. The, the great speaker is there, the great screens. I mean, I'm running out of reasons not to move to Windows <laughs> Phone, which is uh, what's something coming from me, I think. Yeah, and I think also you have to consider, and, and this applies to Windows Phone, Android, and iOS, that you actually gain a lot of other things that you don't have on Symbian. It, we've talked about this before, kind of the approach to the smartphone is different and more and more stuff and more and more apps are becoming available that actually you go this is an experience i couldn't really have on a, a symbian device to the same way and it's also things of course like the hardware moving on it, it, it's a sense of inevitability you know the 808 
in some ways the underlying hardware camera side was a bit long in the tooth when it came out and that's becoming even more true now with the high resolution screens and you know 4g connectivity starting to come in um in some markets that's already a big deal in the uk it's going to really kick off in the second half of this year uh, and it, for me that's one of the problems that and I, it, you know a sense of inevitability you know you're going through this tunnel and time is going by and you get get things things get left behind um it'd be really interesting to hear people's feedback on this um i as i mentioned earlier i think android is a strong possibility for people looking to switch i actually think the problem uh is that is that the devices are very much catered towards the the high end and i think android performs pretty well there in the mid tier it's less of an attractive option and i actually think there's kind of more barriers in the way but the trouble is a lot of the you know uh high-end devices have quite big screens and so it can actually be quite a big step up step up moving from a a simian device you know going up to a 4.5 inch plus screen uh you know 4.7 inches i would say it's the kind of standard android flagship now and windows phone perhaps has an advantage there i mean uh, windows phone perhaps has a reputation of being left a bit behind in terms of specs but uh, if you've been a symbian user you're probably quite used to that and it's not going to be a big deal for you um so we'll be interested to hear your your perspective on that and i think also um with android and windows phone you know a lot gets talked about it and android is you know the big uh, platform at the moment but there is kind of uh how could i describe it you know android takes an approach where there is a lot of settings a lot of flexibility but doesn't always feel as uh, that consistent and i think those that have come from the series 60 world and have grown up with uh, with symbian will probably appreciate some of the design ethos within windows phone in that there's a sense of consistency now you might not always like the design we've talked about live tiles and notifications and uh, all that kind of thing uh, but there is a sense of it's more in keeping with nokia's ethos on design and you know that hardware design i think for many people remains the most attractive thing about the nokia devices and the software has been a bit of a complaint and people have gone i'd love to see a, a nokia device running android for various reasons that's very unlikely it's not going to happen um but it's interesting i've seen more and more people put more emphasis on this design side and uh you know, it, it's unusual to say this about microsoft but i think actually they've got the design story much stronger than android has and the advantage that android has is maybe having the latest specs having a lot of flexibility in the settings um, but if you're someone who's stuck with symbian it probably means you're less concerned about that cutting edge of smartphones and are more interested in the overall experience it provides you with now you probably will lose one or two things when you move to windows phone but you'll gain some if we're talking about specific examples you know voice over ip if you're using sip or voip on your symbian phone you might lose that and you know usb on the go is a, another example you have to sort of calculate are those things important to me or more importantly can i do them a different way on a, a modern device now android for example has the usb on the go things but for the most part I regard USB on the go as not that relevant anymore when there's cloud services. The one exception, of course, being trying to download or sideload videos or large amounts of data on your phone. So, you know, it, it, we can't give one definitive answer. Um, but it'll be really interesting to get some feedback um, for this podcast. And we'll try not to talk about this transition stuff too much, but uh, naturally people are going to be making that decision. We'll try and feature people, you know, send in a, a story or their own opinion. We'll share it with everybody else through the podcast and uh, try and add in some informed commentary as we always do.
Yeah, and I'm finishing on a positive note um, and kind of looking back at the same time in terms of the Symbian OS and going to uh, looking ahead to other mobile operating systems over the next uh, five, ten years. I think Symbian should be given the credit the credit where it's due. Things like the the always on screen. I mean, that's a fairly trivial example, but it's a really useful one day to day. And it and it featured first on Symbian. There's all sorts of things that have been creeping into Nokia's Windows Phone hardware in particular, which had its origins, not not least the PureView camera and seen in flash, etc. They all had their origin on Symbian. That's where Nokia cut its teeth, that's where it's developed the technology, that's where it got its vision for what sh a smartphone should do, and Symbian should be held up here as a prime example of how, in some cases, it was done very, very right, and now those same features are making this their way into the brave new world of Windows Phone and beyond. So, yeah, you know, w well done. Here's to Symbian. Cheers. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's important, I think, the way you could express this as it's going on, as you say, to some of the, the Windows Phone devices is actually the influence that Nokia has over Windows Phone. Now, the device is coming out now and the software with GDR2, uh, there's a lot more Nokia in it um, than there was when you had the first generation of Windows Phone devices, which were very much felt like Microsoft devices wrapped around a, a bit of Nokia design. And we had that classic N9 design in the Lumia 800. But now there's, you know, and it's also Nokia's been doing a great job, you know, customizing things. Pro Camera is a, a great example of this. It, it's not the same as, you know, the camera app on the 808. It's a, a different approach. It's kind of a, a more mass market approach, but there's all kinds of little bits of, you can see Nokia's clever thinking in it and the reframing mode is a very Nokia approach. You know, how can we design a, a kind of a smart crop experience into our phone? And much, much better than the standard uh, Windows Phone camera app, which I think is bare bones is probably the most charitable thing I can say about it. Um, there, there's good reasons for you know doing that particular approach. But that's one of the things that I think, you know, if you've tried Windows Phone once already, it's probably worth coming back and having another look at it. Um, and the same goes for Android, because it changed immeasurably coming up to version 4 and then with the most recent 4.3. Uh, and so if you sort of had a reluctance to switch in the past, it may not be quite as painful as you, you think it would, you know, would have been. And there are quite a few positive things going. But as I say, finish on a positive note, think about all the influence Symbian has, and I think we'll continue to have. Uh, and it's interesting, the more things change, the, the more they stay the same. And so all this talk about glance screen and sleeping screen, you're quite right, Steve. Yeah, it was pioneered on the, the Symbian devices, and I'm I'm sure that won't be the last time we can tell that particular story. Absolutely. And um, well, we're kind of out of time, but it's been a great look back and also a look forward and a look at what's currently active in the Symbian world. Every single uh, week in, on the site, I think that's it. There'll be no more apps to get all depressed, and I'll get ready to write an editorial on how the app scene has died. Every week they continue to prove me wrong, and I'm sure in next week's podcast, or next month's, I guess at this rate, I'll be able to report on some more new apps. But for now, I will say goodbye. And any last words from you, Rafe? Uh, I don't think so. I can say goodbye as well, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, leave your comments on the story. We'd love to hear your thoughts, some of the, <laughs> some of the ramblings we've been gone over in the last 40 minutes. Bye for now. <laughs>